Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. The sweetness being that I get to be here all with you for one final Sunday. I actually head back home next Sunday, but this is the last Sunday I get to preach to all of you kind and lovely people. which is part of the bitterness, but the sweetness is that how much I've enjoyed my time here. And uh... <laughs> Stop it. You're just going to keep making me cry. Who you are and what you do has affected me. Because what you do comes out of who you are. And that's the whole point of this. We series that. uh, We have going on today. (laughs) Stop. I might be up here for an hour just because I can't get through this, but it's okay. So I thought, for my last sermon today, what better place than to start at the beginning? And so when I came here, Stephen took me through your DNA class that you guys have. Um, Whenever someone new comes into the church, he takes them through a DNA class and kind of explains how the, what the tr- this church is and kind of your, your rhythms and your patterns and what you guys value and what you guys, your mission statement, and what, just what you guys do as a people. And so this, this series is all about your unique DNA. And so at that time I was learning about your unique DNA and Stephen was taking me through these values. And of course some of them I've, I've seen before, like, on, like love, like people say love, you guys say unconditional love family, second chances, prayer. I'd, I'd seen those all before. Uh, but one of them caught my eye. Because it was something that I'd, I had never seen before in a church, and I don't think you see it that regularly in a church. And the, the value was celebration. And celebration is actually not a noun or a, or maybe a, an abstract kind of idea. It's actually an action. It's a verb. It's something you do. It's not something you... you, That's just kind of like out there in the ether. It's personal to you. And so I I looked at that, and it struck me, because often when you see church values, they're kind of more in the abstract. Like, this is what 
we kind of do and we, we kind of believe, but celebration is not that way. It kind of occupies both spaces. And so I, I commented that to Stephen, and I said, I, you know, that's, that's unique. That's not something I've seen before. Celebration isn't something you see in a church's values all the time. And so I thought it was rather uh, ironic that when we came to talk about this We Preaching series, that I got celebration because I had found it so interesting. And I have to say, you practice that value very well here from what I've seen over these last 12 weeks. From the way you corporately celebrate uh, with Slime Sunday, obviously we just had that. Normally it's VBA, but it had to change a little bit this year because of circumstances. The way you celebrate your children with Slime Sunday and Easter extravaganza. How you guys all pull together to bring this experience to your church. The way you will celebrate at baptism, where we will welcome a new believer into the family of God through the witness of the church. How amazing is that? And the way you've celebrated me. And my successes. And sometimes you dig at my failures, but that's okay. Preach it. I, I won't name names. Stephen. <laughs> but it's not just the way you corporately celebrate, it's the way you individually celebrate. Every single time I see Grandpa, I always hear him say, Noah, it should be fun to be a Christian. And I never knew what he was really talking about. I'm like, fun? What do you mean fun? Until I did this. And so, Grandpa, yes, it should be fun to be a Christian. But it's not the type of fun where we're always celebrating and always singing and always happy. That's a, that's a different type of fun. It's a grounded fun. And it's a grounded celebration. And you all celebrate that way. I've seen you celebrate through happy times and awesome times in this church, and I've seen you celebrate through not-so-happy times and kind of the lows in life. And so as I'm finishing my time here, I, I'm starting to process and evaluate what I've seen in this church. And when I was told I was speaking on celebration, I began to process a few questions in my head. I began asking, you know, how, how do we celebrate? Where do we celebrate? When should we celebrate? Where does celebration come from? Where should it take us to? How does that interact in the life of the church? And in the life of your church, more specifically. And so that led me in the scriptures to a book called Leviticus. And so if you'll turn there with me. Uh, oh, sorry, wrong way. 
We're going to go to Leviticus chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. And so we're going to read it real quick together. Well, I'll read it, but you can follow me in the scripture. And so this is what it says, starting with verse 39. So beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a Sabbath day of rest, and the eighth day is also a day of Sabbath rest. On the first day, you are to take branches from luxuriant, luxuriant trees and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days with palms, willows, and other leafy greens. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for generations to come. Celebrate it the seventh month. Live in temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters. So your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so I came to this passage in the book of Leviticus, and in case you don't know, Leviticus is the third book in the Bible. It's a book written by Moses, or believed to be written by Moses, as he's giving a system of laws and commands to the people of Israel during their time in the wilderness. And so right now they're wandering through the wilderness, and Moses is giving them these rules and commands to live by so that they can live holy lives separated lives to their God so that they can be a representation of God to the rest of the world and that's the purpose of Leviticus and so if you read it it's it's kind of dry if you don't know really what you're reading it, it can come off as dry but I came to this and through the lens of celebration I found a lot of meaning in this passage and specifically in the festival traditions of the people of Israel. And so the festival that verses 39 through 43 actually talk about is a festival called the Festival of Tabernacles. It also might be called the Festival of Booths. It depends on the translation you have. And so what the people of Israel would do during this time is they would all come together, the, the males at some point during the week would all travel up. They'd go up to Jerusalem to sacrifice. This was one of those festivals where all the males had to present themselves at the temple. But during this time, their families, and this is a family affair, this festival. It's a, it's a festival that is celebrated by the whole family together. And your family would live in, now this is a modern representation, but in a booth similar to this this kind of structure. And you can see the leafy palms and the, and the walls and the doorway. And so God commanded the Israelites to live in this type of tent, we'll call it in our modern terms, for seven days. And this is where they ate. This is where they celebrated together. 
and it was to remind them of the time that they were in the desert and the years at following the desert and how God had provided for them. And I began thinking about the dynamic that would happen in this tent and I could see in my mind perhaps the father of the family getting up and his children and his wife sitting in front of him and his children asking, Father, why do we celebrate this festival? And the father might say, well, let me tell you a story. And the story that came to my mind, which might be mentioned, was a story from Exodus chapter 16 and manna from heaven. This is when God sends manna from heaven. And he might say, well... When, we were, when our ancestors were living in the wilderness, they had no food, and they were grumbling for bread. And so God sent manna from heaven in order to feed them, and they were only to take what they needed for that day, and only that much. If they took more, then it would rot and be wasted. And so they were commanded to take only that, what they needed for that day, and it would sustain them from that day. And then God would send manna the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. And what I think the story illustrates so well is the purpose behind the festival itself. In all festivals that Israel celebrates. And the purpose behind celebration for us itself. And I identified two things in celebration. In all celebrations, there is a remembrance and there is a expectation. God called on the Israelites to remember the time they were living in this booth and how God had provided for them, right? The story, from, the story of manna from heaven. God provided for the Israelites in the wilderness. And this festival was to remind them of that. But there's also expectation in that story because they were only supposed to gather what they needed for that day. They couldn't stock up for the days ahead. So when they were finished with that day, the expectation was that God would provide them for the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that, and all through their time in the wilderness. And if you think about it, the way we celebrate in culture, a lot of the things we celebrate contain those two ideas, remembrance and expectation. Let's take birthdays, for example. When we celebrate a birthday... What are we celebrating? We're celebrating the thankfulness that we have for the years that we lived. We're remembering those years. When we celebrate birthdays in my family, often we'll gather much of our family that's in the area. And more oftentimes than not, we're telling stories of things that happened in the past. Good memories we have, fond memories we have. Maybe memories that make us laugh, maybe memories that make us cry. But there's also an expectation in a birthday celebration that you will continue the next year to celebrate your next birthday. 
right? Happy birthday to you. sing the song, and then my family likes to add on the end, and many more, like, like this big like showstopper ending. But there's an expectation that I'll be there the next birthday to celebrate the next year of my life. And then I'll remember everything that happened over the course of the year and rinse and repeat. Family reunions are the same way. We gather together as families and we tell stories of people, of our ancestors of our past. What things we remember fondly, things we don't remember so fondly, But there's also an expectation in family reunions that your family will continue to grow and continue to gather. And as the older generation dies off, the younger generation will take up the mantle and will continue that tradition down through the years. Expectation and remembrance. And this is what we are called to do. There was a remembering of what God had done. And there was an expectation that God would keep doing it. As long as the Israelites were faithful. And so in this passage, God calls the Israelites to remember the things that have happened in their history. A history in which he has provided for and in again and again. But if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes I don't feel like celebrating. And sometimes we don't celebrate. When we really should. And so why don't we, is the question. What stops us from celebrating? And so for that, where'd it go? I want to direct you to another passage. There it is. <laughs> Sorry, I lost it. Ugh. I want to direct you to another passage in the scriptures. Luke chapter 15, verses 21 through 31. And so this is the parable of the lost son, also known as the parable of the prodigal son. And so I'll summarize the story for you to the point where we're going to read. And so Jesus begins telling this parable to a crowd that's gathered before him. And he tells the story of a young man who goes to his father and asks for his inheritance. And the young man says, Father, I want my inheritance now. And the father gives him his inheritance. And then he goes and squanders it and wastes it away. And so that leaves him destitute, impoverished. And then to make matters worse, there's a famine in the land. And so then his situation gets even worse. It says he's like living with the pigs in the story. And so he comes to his senses and says, 
My father's slaves have it better than I do here with, this, with these pigs. I will go back to him, and maybe he'll have mercy on me. And maybe he'll take me back. Because that's better living than what I've got here. And so as the father is coming up, or as the son is coming up to the house, the father sees him off in the distance, and he can't contain himself. And he runs. Runs to him. And he comes to him and he embraces him. And he kisses him. And then watch the son's response. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. But then there's a shift in the story. And this is what happens. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field when he came near the house. He heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has found him safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered with your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father responds. And he says, My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. And so there's three primary characters in this story. There's the son who runs off. There's the brother who gets jealous, and there's the father. And so I call, I have given the dear nickname of the son and the brother, the party poopers. Because both of them don't celebrate in the story. See, the son is too caught up with his guilt, shame, and embarrassment over what he's done to celebrate the forgiveness the Father has offered him and the mercy the Father has extended. And the brother, in the same way, is too caught up with his jealousy and his sense of entitlement to truthfully enjoy what has happened to his brother. How his brother has been found But if you look at the story, these same things that keep these brothers from celebrating 
keep us from celebrating? How many of us are unwilling to celebrate the mercy and the goodness and the faithfulness and the love of God because we are too caught up in what we've done? Sorry, that's pretty good. The father in the story has offered mercy, has offered love. But the prodigal son just can't seem to accept it. Because he's too focused on what he's done. How he screwed up. How he can't fix it. And meanwhile, the brother, who should be happy that his, his other brother has come home and has tried to make things right, is too caught up in the way that the father has shown love to his deadbeat brother And he feels jealous because he's felt wronged. Because meanwhile, while the brother was away, here he was with the father, tending to things. Probably carrying twice the workload because his brother's gone. But watch the father's response. Everything the father had could have been accessed by the brother. Now that's a statement. Everything that belonged to the father also belonged to the brother. And then the father says, but we had to. We had to celebrate. My friends, do not let your guilt, shame, and embarrassment of what you've done stop you from enjoying the love and the freedom that God has offered you through Jesus Christ. And in the same way, when someone succeeds, maybe over you, when someone's offered that job title over you, When another person does something better than you, when they even do something as simple as beat you in a competition, do not be overcome with jealousy. Because how much more can the Father give you? Because everything He has, you have access to. See, the brother's problem is he is not content with his situation. My friends, we should be content. Because if we have everything that the Father has, and let me tell you, it's all God's. 
how much can you expect? That God can't give. And so the antidote to not celebrating this way is proper celebration, which gives us a sense of humbleness and humility. So what is proper celebration? It's not celebrating in the things that I have done or the things that I have accomplished or the ways my life is going well. And trust me, you can celebrate those things. It's not wrong to celebrate those things. But do it with a sense of the God who loves you has enabled you and gifted you to do those things. Proper celebration always comes back to God. Notice what, is he, what he says to the Israelites when he commands them to celebrate. I brought you out of Egypt. Celebrate what I have done for you. I am the Lord your God. Proper celebration always has this in view. And so proper celebration should lead us to humbleness and humility. That we didn't have enough, but God certainly did. And he offered it to us freely and lovingly, no strings attached, through the person of Jesus Christ. But to be honest, it's not easy to celebrate in some situations. Life is hard, and it's difficult, and it's full of struggle. But I want you to notice something about what God says in Leviticus. So God gives the Israelites the command to celebrate this festival. But notice when he gives the Israelites the command to celebrate this festival. He gives it to them in the middle of them being in the wilderness. They're not even out of the wilderness. And yet God is calling them to celebrate what God has already done in the wilderness for them. To remember that. And now there's an expectation that God will continue to do these things. And the wilderness is not a happy time for the Israelites necessarily. They wander around it for 40 years. This is not an easy time for the nation of Israel, yet God calls them. To celebrate. 
It's celebration in the circumstance. And that's where the best celebration is. It's the acknowledgement that I may not be where I'm going to yet. I may not be where I want to be yet. God may still be leading me through the wilderness, but I'm not where I started. And thus far, the Lord has brought me. And he who started a good work will see it to completion. Whether it be in this life or at the end of it in glorification. I can celebrate in my circumstance. Because I'm celebrating who God is and how he provides. I'm celebrating God and the person of Jesus Christ. So I'm not even celebrating my circumstance at that point. You wonder why or how the disciples were able to celebrate after being beaten, after being whipped, after being persecuted? It's this reason. They weren't celebrating that. They were celebrating, God took me from here, and he's got me here, and he's taking me even further. Because God ain't done. He's not done yet. And so it's in that humbleness and humility that we celebrate. It's in that humbleness and humility that I've seen you celebrate. No matter the circumstance, I have seen you celebrate what God has done, not only in your lives, but in your community as well. I have seen the personal testimony of many of you that I'm here. I used to be there. But I still need to go there. And you're humble enough to realize that. So just take the steps forward. So this is my last time I get to be with you uh, in this sense on stage. And uh, I want to thank you all for the way you've celebrated me and the way you have shown love to each other. I will certainly celebrate this experience for many years after being here. Know that you as a people have, at least in some small way, impacted the church. And celebrate that. Because it's the small things that turn into big things. It's the small steps that take us where we need to go. And, uh, I will certainly never forget all of you and 
I wish you all the peace and joy and love and the grace and mercy that you can find in Christ. And I encourage you to keep on going. And don't stop till you see the end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the way you've shown up in this service, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for these people, for the way they impact their community. And not just their own little small community in this church, Father, but the wide community of Wapa Canada and the even wider community of the Church of Christ. And Lord, they have been so welcoming and so willing to impact me, an outsider, who just wanted to peek in. And so, Lord, I thank you for each and every one of them and the way you touched their lives and the way you've touched mine. So, Lord, help us in this next week in these next months, in these next years, to celebrate the way you've brought us, the way we're going forward. And maybe we, we be able to say, thus far the Lord has brought me, and he's going to take me even further. We love you, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow. There was... Yeah. That was good, dude. Yeah. You know they're applauding because we're getting rid of you, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, it, the, the, the fact is not lost on me. And uh, I, I just want to come back to this picture right here. Travis was a little ticked off that you took a picture of his house. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> My you, bad. Would you please stand? You guys are good people. Man. Uh, dude, that was... Whew. Man. I don't know about you, but I learned, I learned quite a bit this morning. And... Uh, we are Wapak Naz, and we are a people of celebration. That is who we are. That's what we do. And uh, I appreciate you definitely bringing, bringing some truth, uh, especially out of the book of Leviticus. That's some skill, right? Now, y'all go home and read Leviticus for the rest of the week. There'll be a test um. on Sunday next week. <laughs> hey, we, we love you. We really, really do. Whether you are just new around here for the first time, or you've been around here for a long time, or you've been here for 12, almost 12 weeks, <laughs> we love you, and uh, we pray for you, and we encourage you to be loved people, loving people to Jesus Christ. Again, it's who we are, it's what we do. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Will you please, please, please love your neighbor as yourself? You have a wonderful day. We will see those of you at Encounter showing up tonight at 5.
Otherwise, you have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you were moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.